You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. Listen, you wouldn't even be able to have fellowship with You wouldn't even be able to know God if it wasn't for the ministry and the operation of the Holy Spirit. And as it relates to those hindrances that prevent us from experiencing that fellowship with God, listen, the Spirit is able to keep us on the path of truth, keep us from getting sidetracked, Keep us from going astray. Have you ever encountered people who came into your life or even your church and tried to draw you away from the truth of God's Word? The Bible says that the Holy Spirit will enable you to discern, understand, and avoid dangers in your life that threaten you and try to draw you away from Christ. In today's message, Pastor Mike will remind you that only through the work of the Holy Spirit in your life will you be able to reject false teachers? Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of 1 John chapter 2 as he begins his message, The Anointing of the Holy Spirit. Back in our series in 1 John, that would be in 1 John chapter 2. We're going to take a look at three verses of Scripture in that chapter, verses 20, 21, and 27. And this evening's message, which I think is a real important message, significant message, and that is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And we often hear that phrase used, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. What does that look like? What does it mean? How does it affect the believer? So that's what we're going to be talking about this evening. Let's go ahead and read that text. 1 John chapter 2, verse 20. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. And then jump ahead to verse 27. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. First of all, in order to have the right setting for these three verses that serve as our text this evening, let me remind you again of what John is doing in this particular section of his epistle. John is dealing with the hindrances to a true fellowship 
with God. And I'll mention some of those hindrances in just a moment. Because, you know, there are just certain things we need to be aware of, we need to be mindful about, if we are to continue to enjoy this fellowship with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. What we have before us here in our text is the record of the greatest blessing of all that the Christian gospel has to offer. Yes, greater than forgiveness, greater than peace, greater than joy, all of the various feelings and sensations which we may know from time to time. What am I referring to? This wonderful fact of, and this brings us to our first point this evening, I may have already shocked you in making that statement, greater than the offer of forgiveness, of peace, of joy, all of the feelings and sensations that are just a part of our Christian experience. What in the world am I referring to? That is the wonderful fact of the capacity that we have to be able to have fellowship with God through the Holy Spirit. And that's our first point, fellowship with God through the Holy Spirit. Listen, you wouldn't even be able to have fellowship with, you wouldn't even be able to know God if it wasn't for the ministry and the operation of the Holy Spirit. And as it relates to those hindrances that prevent us from experiencing that fellowship with God, listen, the Spirit is able to keep us on the path of truth, keep us from getting sidetracked, keep us from going astray. The churches throughout Asia Minor, and that's who John is addressing here. This is what is known as a general epistle. It was delivered to one church, and then they read it and meditated upon it and sought to learn all of the lessons that were contained within it, and then they would pass it along to the next church in another location in another city. So remember, the churches throughout Asia Minor were under attack. They had been infiltrated by what John refers to in verse 18 as antichrists, that is, false teachers, these Gnostics. And they were those who were opposed to God, who were opposed to the doctrines of Christ, who claimed superior spirituality. And by the way, this was the hook that drew people in because the offer of a superior spiritual knowledge was very attractive to people to join these Gnostics, these false teachers, these antichrists who denied the deity of Jesus Christ. And they wreaked havoc among the churches. For a moment, go back to verse 19. And thank God, this is recorded here for us. Notice John tells us that they had finally been purged. They had finally been purged. And God has the capacity, you know, to do that. And from time to time, people show up on our doorstep and they try to interject these new teachings and new doctrines and draw disciples unto themselves, doing the very same thing that these Gnostics did. You know, join us because we have a spiritual knowledge. And you can attain that spiritual knowledge if you follow our teachings and such. And so, praise the Lord, according to verse 19, notice they had finally been purged because John was careful to mention 
that they went out from us, and God has a way of doing that. You see, when these people show up on our doorstep and they realize that the people have been well taught and they understand the doctrines of Christ and they're not going to be deceived, they'll be in the church for a season, but then they go off to another church to wreak havoc at that particular location. And so John is writing to those who were still in the church, who had survived these false teachings. It is extremely important that we make this distinction. Okay? Why is that? Because those who weren't swayed, those who weren't seduced by these false teachers, the way that John refers to them as antichrists, that begs the question, okay, why did they stay? Why did they remain? What was the difference? What enabled them to reject the false teachings and stand firm? Well, these three verses of Scripture that make up our text provide us with that answer. Again, the question, what keeps us from being separated from God? And the answer to that question is simply the work of the Holy Spirit. You see, Christians are who they are because of him. And this is very important, that right from the very beginning we understand this. Now notice in verse 20, John tells us, we received an unction, it's all according to what translation you're reading out of, or rather, an anointing. An unction or an anointing. Basically, those are the same words. It's just a graphic way of describing the influence and the effect of the Holy Spirit. This anointing that enables us to discern, understand, and avoid these subtle dangers that threaten us, that exist in and outside the church. I think we should talk a little bit about an anointing or an unction, if you like. Either one of those words would be correct. Let's talk a little bit about that anointing. It'll just help you to understand the work and the ministry and the operation of the Holy Spirit in a greater way. Now, as it relates to an anointing in the scriptures, let's just consider an anointing, the word anointing and what it infers throughout the scriptures. First of all, remember Old Testament prophets, Old Testament priests, Old Testament kings, when they were inducted into their positions or offices, as it were, they were anointed with oil. And I want you to think about our induction into our fellowship with God, our conversion experience, being born again, becoming a child of God. And it's sort of the same way we are inducted into the family of God. Anyway, back then in the Old Testament, those individuals that I had just mentioned were anointed with oil. And that was the mechanism, the ceremonial, that was used to set them apart for their office. It was a part of their consecration. They were known as the anointed ones. They were set apart for their duty, even as we have been set apart for our duty. And it all happens through the operation of the Holy Spirit. We've received and anointing. And also, often the spirit, here's something else to consider, is compared to oil. What kind of a picture does that paint for us? Well, let's go back to the, an Old Testament example. The oil that went into the golden candlesticks in the temple 
was an illustration of the same thing that I've just suggested. The oil that provides the life or the power for the light. So think of both of those illustrations as it relates to the anointing of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. So those were just some of the symbols used for the influence and power of the Holy Spirit. Now that brings us to our second point. Take a look at verse 20 once again. It says there, you have an unction from the Holy One. Now who's the Holy One? That's a reference to Jesus Christ. He is the Holy One. In other words, it was Jesus who sent the Holy Spirit upon his church. Let me give you a cross-reference, rather, for this. In John's Gospel in chapter 16, in a couple of different verses there in that same chapter, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. He's preparing his disciples for his leaving them, the divine appointment that he had there in the city of Jerusalem. He was to be crucified, dying in our place upon the cross. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, and that's a reference to the Spirit, will not come to you. But if I depart, notice, I will send him to you. Verse 8. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Now let's jump ahead to verses 13 and 14 of that same chapter. However, when he... The spirit of truth has come. He will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. And then finally in verse 14, and he will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine, and he will declare it unto you. So the idea here then is because we are incorporated into the life of Christ, we partake of what is true of him. Do you see that? And that's part of the operation of the Holy Spirit. What is the result of all of this? And what does this lead to, this anointing, this unction of the Spirit in the life of a believer? And that brings us to our third point. John says, we as Christians know all things. Notice the first part of verse 27. We as Christians know all things. Things. Now, before we go on, I think I ought to clarify that statement by saying it doesn't mean that we don't need to read our Bibles anymore, because after all, the Bible tells us we know all things because of this anointing, because of this unction of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't mean that we are not to sit under someone's teaching ministry. Some pastor, the church that God leads you to, God has anointed the pastor of the church, I guess in my case it's me, to speak to you in very personal and relative ways. Make no mistake about it, if you've been led here by the Holy Spirit, then God prepares all of these messages to minister to you in your specific need, in your particular situation. And every one of us, at one time or another, for me, I'm saying one time or another, because I had to sit under another man's teaching ministry for a season, for me to go on in my walk in my relationship with the Lord. When John refers to we know all things, it doesn't mean that we need no longer to sit under a man's or your pastor's teaching ministry. It doesn't mean that we receive some unique, direct revelation from God, although we do, but that in and of itself would be all that we need. No, because we receive direct revelation from the teaching that comes across the pulpit. 
And also, it doesn't mean that we have apprehended all knowledge as it relates to, for example, uh, subjects of science or medicine or mathematics. So what is John referring to then when he says Christians know all things? Well, think about it. John is discussing here a knowledge of the truth. He's talking about Christian doctrine. That is, Jesus is the Christ or the anointed one. And so in context, that is what John is referring to. The very fact that John is writing to them and seeking to instruct them and warn them to protect them proves that they needed to be instructed. And each and every one of us needs to be instructed, including myself. And I give myself to that occupation. I'm constantly reading commentaries, constantly listening to radio broadcasts throughout the week, all of which just leads to my going on in my walk in my relationship with the Lord. And so the very fact that John is writing to them proves that they needed to be instructed. If they didn't need to be instructed, then he would have never sent this epistle out in the first place. As a cross-reference, think about this in 2 Peter in chapter 3 and verse 18. I always include this in the part of my prayer, usually at least. In 2 Peter in chapter 3 and verse 18, we are told that the Christian is to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's a never-ending experience. None of us knows everything that we need to know about our walk with the Lord or about him, who he is. So what John is really saying is what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians in chapter 2 in verses 13 and 14, which is another familiar text of Scripture to you, I'm sure, because I'm always quoting it. These things we also speak not in words, which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man, and you're always recording this verse, I know for sure, right? Drumming it into you, does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. In other words, he is saying that the Christian has spiritual understanding, which the natural man does not. These things that we're talking about, the doctrines of Christ, these things are only understood in spiritual manner. The Christian, having received the Holy Spirit, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, has a new capacity to understand the things of God. I hope and I trust that this helps you to gain a greater appreciation of what you already have. You've heard me use this illustration and example many times before, but you put two people alongside of one another sitting in the seats that you're sitting in. One's a believer, born again, has the Spirit, has been anointed by God. The other person is not. He's come because he's been invited to come, or she has come because she's been invited to come, and she hasn't made that decision for Christ. She hasn't been born again. The Holy Spirit has not entered into her. One person is, is listening to the same message that the other one's listening to. The person who is born again is soaking it up like a sponge, making a connection with the teaching of the Word of God. The Word of God is working in that person, transforming them. God is speaking to them, reasoning with them, 
while the other person is just like, you know, right over their heads without having any effect upon them whatsoever. And so how do we explain that? Well, the only way that you can explain it is by the Spirit of God in that individual. The Holy Spirit in us, each and every one of us, has a new capacity to understand the things of God. So John says to those who remained in the church, remember, we're trying and seeking to answer that question. So why was it that God purged out those antichrists, those false teachers who were seeking to promote their teaching and their doctrine to make disciples unto themselves without any success, but the real deal, Christians, remained within the church. How did that happen? Well, John simply says, those who remained and attributed their holding fast to this truth, why was that? because the Holy Spirit had given them this enlightenment and understanding. And thus they weren't blown away by every wind of doctrine that blows through the church. And this happens from time to time. But if you're a mature Christian, you know how to handle the word of God. If you've been taught, you're going to be very careful to the things that you allowed yourself to become involved in. How's that? It's simply because of the Holy Spirit within you. You see, they understood the doctrine concerning the person of Jesus Christ and the work that he had come to perform. And if they hadn't received the Holy Spirit, folks, guess what? This would never have been a reality. And they would have been blown away. They would have been deceived. Gang, this is a wonderful thing that is true of all Christians. We may not have much natural abilities, but that really doesn't matter. We may not have some great talents, but that doesn't matter neither. We may not have had the advantage of schooling, attending some Christian university or, or whatever, uh, Bible courses. Or, but if we have the Spirit, we can understand all truth. And i got to tell you something. That is exactly why especially what I like about Christianity. Because Christianity, if you think about it, is a faith for everybody. It's not something that depends upon the natural man or women's abilities. You don't have to be a philosopher or a great thinker to get it. You know what I'm talking about? Right? Because it's an enlightenment. It's an anointing. It's an unction. The Holy Spirit enables us to see and understand something of the glorious nature of salvation. Listen, we may be considered, that is by the world, a bunch of simpletons. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house. The book of 1 John teaches the importance of growing in your faith. When you accept Jesus' free gift of salvation, it doesn't end there. Jesus transforms you, beginning on that very first day, and He continues to do so as you allow Him access to your life. Each new truth you hear from God's Word has the potential to change you, but you have to decide to let it. 
It's our desire at In My Father's House to present Jesus to you through each program, and we pray He's already making an impact in your life. If you'd like to explore more messages from Pastor Mike, visit harvestnyc.org. You'll find them under the Resources tab. Come visit us, too. You can join us for worship this Sunday at Harvest Christian Fellowship. To find out more and reserve your seat, visit harvestnyc.org or join us online to worship through the live stream. Each Thursday, we're also meeting virtually to step back into the Word and worship the Lord. We'd be honored if you'd join us. 7.30 online at harvestnyc.org. While you're there, be sure to sign up for our email list for daily devotionals and the latest event information at Harvest Christian Fellowship. We'd also ask that you prayerfully consider supporting the ministry of In My Father's House through donation. We appreciate every gift given, and we'll use it to reach more people with the Word of God. Find out more and donate securely online by clicking the Donate tab at harvestnyc.org. That's all for today. We hope you'll join us again right here on In My Father's House. My heart not be troubled.